Good evening. It is January 12th, 2022. This is the first um, episode of my podcast, My Moment. Uh, my name is Lisa Fasulo. I am talking about mental health. I am talking about being a suicide survivor and a suicide loss survivor and also, um, and most importantly, talking about losing my son Nicholas um, to depression and suicide and what this journey has been like and what I'm hoping to do as I explained kind of in my intro is that someone will relate to what I'm saying that maybe somebody will decide to stay somebody will decide to seek help somebody will realize it is so okay for men especially and I'm speaking a lot about men because that's what that's what I've lost and that's what I know um, I will give you background. I'm going to try to get better with these as they go on and get them more organized. Um, this is an incredibly hard and painful subject to talk about. But it's also more important for me to talk about it um, because I do realize that the world is crazy and there's so much going on and suicide rates are going up um, exponentially. So I would like to do my part in hopefully being able to reach someone. Um, very brief, the, as each episode, I will pick a topic that I want to focus on. Today's kind of going to be a little bit more of a background on everything. There are triggers. Um, please be aware there are, um, I'd like to say that there are um, some things that are going to be very graphic. Um, I do swear a lot. I've already put that in my podcast. I, what I'm going to talk about is horrifying and scary, and I do not want anyone to come into this without that pre-warning. So there is a book that I'm just started reading. Um, I've had for a bit and I haven't been able to pick it up um, just because reading about suicide or reading about things that maybe I didn't think of can also trigger things in my head about what did happen. So I've kind of been nervous to read things. So what I just started doing is I have this book. It's called Dying to be Free. It is by Beverly Cobain and Jean Larch. It is a healing guide for families after a suicide. I am just strictly picking the book up and whatever page it falls on, I am reading a couple sections by it. And I feel like Nick, my son, is going to kind of guide me on where maybe his mama needs to be reading for the day. Or maybe something I read is going to help me heal or might help somebody else heal. Very quick backstory. I also lost my grandmother to suicide. Um... Depression runs very heavily in our family. Anxiety is very heavy in our family. Doesn't make anyone weak. Doesn't make anyone to be, to be ashamed of. But I feel like, actually I know, that Nicholas was shamed by certain members um, that shouldn't have been shaming him. That they're that boys are supposed to be tough. And I don't abide by that. And I never did with Nick. I think that if you're upset, we need to talk about it. We need to try to figure it out. But Nick was very scared to go to therapy or to take medications because he was told that made him weak. And I unfortunately could not change his thinking on that. So it's very important for both parents and relatives and families to be really careful about what you say. And I've been saying this for years because kids hear everything. I don't care if they're two, if they're 20, if they're 60. Kids listen to everything that comes out of the the mouths of people that are supposed to be guiding them and loving them and none of us are perfect at all by any means um but two days before nick would not 
go to a doctor um, or receive help because he didn't want someone to tell him that he was being a baby. Um, and let me just say, if there's any men or um, over 18s listening to this, I please, please know that getting help does not make you weak. It does not make you weak at all. Don't ever let anyone tell you that. And if they do tell you that, I hope that you can come back to me as a grieving mom and you can hear the pain in my voice and you can understand that you are worth being happy. You are worth staying here. That life might be fucking shit right now and everything might be falling apart and you might be scared and you might be alone and you might be depressed. But I can promise you, promise you, promise you, promise you that there are people in your life that love you, that will listen to you, that will have your back. There's got to be a friend that will have your back. There are hotlines that will have your back. There is no shame in reaching out and my God, I know that my baby should be here. He should be here. Um, it haunts me. <laughs> and I do apologize if I cry, or but I said I'm going to be real. This is not an easy thing to talk about. I wanted to read you an expert, an excerpt from this book because. It just struck me so much about what I feel. And it has been four years, a month, and ten days. And it still feels like that day. It still feels like that second. Um, I don't know when this moves on. I don't know when it starts to feel like it was further ago. Sometimes I don't want it to be because it's so hard to have not seen your one and only love for so long. Um, I'm going to read you this. It says survivors may be terrified to the edge of sanity, incapacitated by shock and horror. Their, wa- their wounds are not of the flesh, but of the mind and spirit. Engulfed by grief, they necessarily live moment by moment, putting one foot before the other, breathing in and breathing out. They feel disconnected from reality. Their world has suddenly become one of shattered dreams, endless night, inconsolable pain. They feel isolated, ashamed, guilty, angry, and totally in the dark about how to get through the next hour, day, week, and month. They wonder if living is even possible without their loved one. I can tell you I have felt all of those and then some. I still feel these and then some. I haven't quite found a way to get through my days without dropping to my knees and just screaming for my son. I would much rather be with my son, but I know that that's not my option. Right now, I am not in a place that other people have been. I used to be in that place, but I'm not. I feel like I have a mission here to carry on Nick's name and his legacy, but if there's some other grieving mother out there and that is how you're feeling... Hold on to someone else that gets it. Talk to other people that get it. A lot of people, one thing about suicide, it is the cruelest of all deaths. It is the one that you can't wrap your head around. We lose people to accidents. We lose people to overdoses. We lose people to cancer. And yeah, it pisses us the fuck off and we hate it and we grieve and we scream and we cry. But... We expect people 
as horrible as this might sound, to die from an overdose. That's a known... If you're going to do drugs, there is a potential you're going to die from an overdose. Car accidents happen. Cancer sucks. I just lost my mother to cancer. That is a whole other can of worms. Suicide, though, man. It's just... What the fuck? I don't know how many times I said a day, what the fuck? I walk around, I'm like, what the fuck? Nights, days, you become this person that... You learn to put a shield around your face. Because people are so nervous. At first, they're so nervous around you. And I feel like I'm going to ramble and I don't want to ramble. I want to try to stay on point with this. So let's get, let me get back to that reading. That if you're feeling in the dark about losing someone to suicide and you're very new to this, I, please message me. I, I, I enable that on this website. I can, I'm, I'm not a counselor. I some probably don't even know what the hell I'm doing half of the time, but I can maybe tell you a couple of things that have worked for me. I can tell you that you're not alone. I can tell you that there are oftentimes I sit in my bed in the dark and I just sit there and I'm like, holy fuck. What the fuck? Where is my son? What, where, like, or I will sit there and I think that Nick is coming home. There's still a part of me that thinks Nick's coming home. Um... But I found that very profound today to read this because you do live moment by moment. You think, okay, today I'm going to set my alarm for 6.30. And sometimes you're going to get up and you're going you're gonna to wash your face. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to take your shower. You're going to walk your dogs. You're going to do everything that you need to do to get out of the house on time. I live by notes, I live by a schedule, I live by alarms, I have extreme PTSD from that day, um, that I will get into later, um, so I have a lot of memory loss, and I also have a lot of um, long-term memory loss, I don't remember certain things, and I can lose days and I can lose time. So I'm always constantly texting myself things. I'm asking friends to text me it to me, clients to text it to me. I keep a notebook with me. I'm very good at writing things down, checking things off, making sure things get paid, making sure my responsibilities are met. And in some way that gives me a sense of order and my brain desperately needs to have something to a sense of order to follow. You know, your rent has to be paid, your mortgage has to be paid, your car payments have to be paid. Write them down. Take a note. Set an alarm. I have, a, I have alarms that go off on my phone for the days of the month that my bills are due. It's all these little things. There's so many little things I do, but those are kind of like the really big things that like happens a lot right afterwards. You forget to pay stuff. You can't go grocery shop. My God, I couldn't go to a grocery store for a year. People had to go do my groceries or I ordered them and had them sent to me or I just didn't eat. Um, oh, God, what a fucking mess, huh? Just it's a fucking mess. And at the same time that all of this stuff's going on, people are expecting you to be like, oh, well, it's been a year. You should be back to normal. The fuck you're going to be back to normal. You have lost your child. How are you supposed to be back to normal? How would anyone supposed to be back to normal? People, I said this very soon after Nick 
left. People give more support to someone that's going through a breakup than to someone to lose a child because a child is horrifying and they don't want to do and it scares them and they don't want it to ever experience it themselves. It's hard to breathe when I talk about this. Losing a boyfriend is normal. You go through a breakup. Oh, God, let's go. Let's get drunk. You know, you lose one, get under another one, blah, blah, blah. What are you going to say to someone that's a child? You don't get your child back. I don't, can't speak as a father. I'm speaking as a mother. Um, I don't ever pretend to speak for what someone else may be going through. I'm only trying to speak about what I'm going through. And things that have, I've experienced that I have felt because everybody grieves differently. Everyone handles things differently. I look at some moms, I'm like, man, you are fucking rocking it. And I wish I could be like you. And then I talk to them, they're like, no, I'm not. We all have areas that we're able to rock it in. And then we have areas where we fall apart. There is no normal. And four years is not a long time. It's not for the first year. I don't think I took a breath. I think I walked around in shock. Sometimes I think I'm still in shock. Um, so if anyone's going through this right now, please know that my heart is with you. My love is with you. Um, if you believe in a greater power, my prayers are with you. I would love to be able to look you in the eye and tell you that everything that you are feeling is okay it is normal and it's scary and it sucks and it fucking makes me want to punch a wall it makes me so mad that i can't even talk i can't scream i just will lose hours sitting on my floor and you were just like what again what the fuck yelling at god what the fuck like, great way to talk to God, but it's what I do. Still do it. Um, don't know when I'll stop doing it, but that is how I talk. And um, it's just, I'm pretty mouthy anyways. Um, I always have been mouthy. I've always been kind of a mouthy pain in the ass. Um but that's just the reality. There is, you get this ungodly sense of, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. I'm really not. I'm not afraid of myself dying. I'm not afraid of if, if I dropped in a heart attack or a stroke or anything or got in a car accident that I was the only one that was injured. I'm not afraid of anything. Because what could be worse than losing your only child? Nothing. Nothing. I am afraid of me not being here and no one carrying on Nick's name. I worry about that a lot. But so maybe there is some sense. I mean, maybe that, that's my reason. I mean, this is my reason. My reason is Nick. Oh, gosh, so beautiful. Most beautiful thing. Child. Spirit. Human. In the world. And we all believe that about our children. And we are all entitled as mothers. But Nick was too pretty for this world. He was too sensitive for this world. He was too loving for this world. It is. You're living a life. 
now where there's this enormous empty space. Even when your children grow older, you still would have dinners or lunches or they want you to do your laundry. My God, I just, Nick, (laughs) coming in asking me, where's my long white socks? Doing his laundry for him. Calling him from Target. What do you need from Target? Every, you know, all of that stuff I miss so desperately and appreciate it. Please appreciate it. I know that kids are annoying and they can be a lot of work and they're expensive, but my God, it goes by so fast. You just goes by so fast. The more, the more this process goes on, the more you realize that the pain that you're feeling and studies have, I don't know how they study this, but those the studies have shown and I and I'll find the exact one that a mom surviving the loss of her child through from suicide the pain that she's feeling is a lot like the pain that their child was in at that exact moment I don't know how they did this and all I can think of is my fucking god my baby felt this bad and that just breaks my heart even more for my baby. Like, I'm the mom. I can handle pain. I'm supposed to handle the pain, right? Not, I don't have to do it alone. And there's nothing wrong with me being in pain. And there's nothing wrong with me crying. There's nothing wrong with me needing days where I can't be around anyone. I have set my boundaries very clearly, like with my PTSD. I can't handle people coming up behind me and touching me. I can't handle quick changes of plans. I can't handle repetitive, loud noises. I can't handle a gun shot for reasons that will probably be obvious now, but I don't have doors on my bedroom and I don't have doors on Nick's new room because I did move. It took me a bit But if I hadn't moved out of that house, I would have died in that house. There's no doubt about it. It was just a a black, depressing well of um, me living in my bedroom for years. Never went in the living room. Or I would stay up in Nick's room and I would just sit there and I would cry. And I would lay in his bed and try desperately to smell, get a smell of him. Oh, God, the smell is just the best thing if you can find it of your child. But I don't have doors. Never realized the connection until recently, till someone said something in a counseling session, which I'm not really good with counseling at all. So if you're going through counseling and you're trying to find someone, um, you got to kind of go through it. Just like with a doctor or a hairdresser or something like that or a trainer. I'm a trainer. You got to find one that you click with. But this one counselor said something profound because I had people come in and like, oh, you don't have any doors, ha ha. And I'm like, yeah, I just, whatever. And she had said to me, why would you have doors on your bedroom? You couldn't get into your son's place that morning in time because I was, I was there trying to get in. And that haunts me too. I swear to God, everything's going to haunt It haunts you. I don't have doors Never made the connection she did. So if you have a counselor and it works for you, stick with them. 
You know, and remember at any time you can change. You are not bound to do anything. You are not forced to do anything in this grief. The griever has the rights. Okay? As a mom, if you're grieving, as a dad, as a sister, as a brother, as a friend. Nobody can tell you how to grieve. Nobody can tell you how not to grieve. You grieve how you need to. But please do one thing. Try to find something healthy that gets you out of bed. You can still fucking hate it. You can still be like, oh my God, I hate this. But I can tell you after four years in that one thing that you find will be the thing that will save you on some days. It will, I promise you. For me... I love playing basketball, and I suck at basketball. I'm Italian. We're not good at basketball. That is not our thing. I love shooting hoops. I love The Office. I watch that show every single day, and there is an episode with Michael Scott does the catch on the flippity flip, and I do that shot, and I probably look so stupid, but I don't care. Nick loved basketball, too, and he sucked at it, too. Again, tall Italian boy, not our skill, but he was so great at the other sports. I love to lift. I have found that I am not able to lift in the same manner as what I used to be. I need more of a quieter gym. I need more of my own time. My scheduling is very different, but I still lift. I do it. I do it six days a week. I do my cardio. I do my lifting. No matter how shitty I feel, I don't give a shit. If I get out of bed on my day off and it's 9 o'clock at night, my ass is going to be in the gym and I'm going to get my lift in. It does not matter what you look like. Don't worry about that. Just find something. Maybe for you, something healthy is going for a walk. Maybe it's doing something outside. I hate the winter. I am not an outside cool person. In the summer, I love being outside. I'm always outside. Um, I have my son's dog. She is the best. She has saved my life over and over and over. We have adopted a little friend from Texas. Love Texas. I am a southern girl. I should be living in southern states. I should not be in the state. I need warmth. So now she has a little friend. They are just coming home to dogs. Oh my God, how can you get any purer of love than that, right? So find something. Maybe something for you is knitting. Maybe it's cooking. I am the worst Italian Spanish woman ever. I suck at cooking. I can't do it. But I love to watch DVDs, which everyone thinks weird because I collect DVDs. How old school is that? But amazing. I like to open DVDs. I like to read books. I like to be able to smell the pages. Things that help you connect in. Things that will do, like, maybe give you a second of pleasure. Because sometimes I find when I'm shooting hoops and I'm being ridiculously stupid, I'm thinking I'm so good, but I really am not. I'll laugh, and it's a real laugh. And I used to feel really guilty and be like, oh, I'm a shitty mom because I'm laughing. How can I laugh when my son's gone? And then I'm starting, and still sometimes I do, but I'm starting to hope that, wait, Nick wouldn't want me to not be happy. Am I happy right now? No, I'm not. I haven't found that place. I can find brief seconds of happiness. I can find moments of happiness. I can generally laugh at other people because they're funny. There are people I love seeing. I protect my space very much. 
I feel like this has so much information in one little half hour, but it's going to go someplace. I promise you, it's going to go someplace. It's going to get you, it's going to flow and it's going to talk about everything that nobody talks about and that nobody wants to hear. And it's going to just end up being Nick's story and my story. And it's going to hopefully be part of your story. And I just, that's all I want from this. And I, I want you to know, again, that it is okay to be depressed. It is okay to have anxiety. It is okay to be clinically depressed. It is okay to be type 1 bipolar, type 2 bipolar. I'm trying to think of all the different mental health issues are. If you're struggling with alcohol right now, you know, you're struggling with drugs right now. People tend to use those things as they're covering up other things. You know, it's okay to reach out for help. It is okay to someone say to someone, I need some help. And you know what? The sad part is the people that are usually closest to you in the beginning are not the ones that are going to help. Because they don't know how to put this you in this new box. This new you in this box of how do I relate to her when I knew her this way or knew him this way, but now this way. And that's okay. It's okay. People are allowed to struggle with that. And I hated it for the first Come few years, oh, I'm so pissed, like, what the fuck? You can't be there for me. Fuck you. Um, now I'm recognizing that it's okay because they're grieving too. Chances are they probably knew your child or your, or your friend, and they knew they're grieving the old you too. And it's scary. As another parent, you don't want to think about this could happen to your child because if you knew Nick, you wouldn't thought it would have happened. But it can happen to anyone. It can absolutely happen to anyone. So you have to get rid of that out of your head. You have to think that, oh, it'll never happen to my husband or my friend or my child. Goddamn right it could happen to your child. And you need to open your eyes. You need to, like, ask, are you okay? Are you happy? Have those hard conversations. You know, fight for their rights to get some help if they're open to it. You know, I... Nick's as stubborn as I am, but I, you know, I'll share more like texts and stuff like that. But the day before he was open to getting help and then it just, that last week was a fucking up, down, didn't know what was going on, scariest week of my life, yet with some seconds of hope in there, I don't ever want you to see your child not alive. I don't ever want you to smell that blood. I don't want you to smell that gunpowder. I don't want you to constantly feel like you cannot get clean because you can't wash it off you. And that's how I feel. I'm constantly scrubbing my hands. Gunpowder makes me freak. Blood makes me freak. No parent should have to see their child. I'm thankful that my brain has blocked a lot of that out. I do know that it will come back. My doctor has said it will come back at some point. And brief things come through in my dreams that I'll remember and that'll wake me up and they're fucking horrifying. So I'm going to talk about all the good, the bad, the shitty, the horrible stuff that everyone doesn't want and that you don't want to hear because I don't want one parent to bust through their child's room and that to find what I saw. So I'll take the hit. I'll talk about it. 
And some people think, oh, she's not mentally well because she talks about it. That's fucking bullshit. I think it takes a really strong person. So if you're out there and you're grieving and you're getting up and you're going to work and you're doing whatever you need to do until you can get back home, fucking good for you. Good for you. You should be so proud of yourselves, even when it sucks that you're doing it and you're showing up. You're not weak. You are strong. You are so fucking strong. They say there's nothing stronger than a grieving mom. And even when I don't feel strong, I think of that and I'm like, life's hard enough. But you throw this in and you're like, holy fuck. You know, I am strong and so aren't you. So if nobody's told you that, say you are strong. Okay, the world is with COVID. I'm not. This isn't going to be political. None of this is going to be political. It is going to be purely about feelings. Okay, and emotions, and truths, and actions, and everything that went on leading up to this. I'm going to do another one in a couple of days. I hope that wherever you are right now, that you are warm. That you have some love in your life. That you feel safe. If you don't, please reach out to somebody. Please, please, please reach out to somebody. Tomorrow will look different. An hour from now will look different. Find something that you love that you can hold on to. Whether it's a dog, it's a cat, it's a fluffy blanket, it's a picture, it's a favorite show, it's a favorite movie. Turn it on. Take a hot shower. Get some water. Simple little things like that will help you feel present. It maybe will help you fight to the next day. Journal your emotions. They don't have to make any sense. I don't believe now you're going to do all that. No, you write down whatever you want to write down. This is dedicated to Nick. You are forever my moment. I miss you every second of my life. And I hope that you have the best night's sleep in heaven. And Mags loves you. And I hope that all of you have a wonderful, safe sleep. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you. Good evening, everyone. Um, it is Monday, January 17th, 2022. Um, this is podcast number two. My name is Lisa Fasulo. I am Nick Demule's mama. Um, there are going to be triggers on this. There are going to be words that people that may not want to hear. So please be very cautious um, when you are listening to this. Don't play this around somebody that could be triggered that has maybe, as you listen and be careful as you listen, I'm going to be talking a lot about PTSD, my triggers, and some of the things that I experienced have led to my PTSD. And hopefully maybe list a couple things that kind of help me. I don't feel like we live in a world where PTSD is very well explained or that people really kind of know the different people that can suffer from PTSD. I know we always think about our veterans and God bless them. I think about them all the time. Um, My father, my grandfather is one. Um, Numerous friends are. We have this, you know, the, the suicide 22, 22 veterans a day take their lives Oh, God, my heart hurts for them. So what I would like to do right now is I would like to kind of just give a brief description of what post-traumatic stress is. And I'm going to kind of tie in some of my symptoms with it and reasons why some of you may wonder why the fuck does Lisa do what she does? Because 
It is literally having to do those things to save my life, to get through my day so that I can continue to be here and fight for Nick's name and mental health awareness. So post-traumatic stress is a normal, predictable, psychological reason to any traumatic event, such as finding a loved one who has completed suicide. This stress is often characterized by intrusive images, sleep disturbance, hypervigilance, and avoidance behavior. Now, people can get diagnosed with this. They'll get diagnosed with acute stress disorder or different things like that. Again, I'm not a doctor. When the symptoms go beyond 30 days from the event and they are becoming worse, one may be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the most severe and debilitating type of human stress. And my God, it is. Symptoms may include distressing dreams, depression, angry outbursts, hyper-startled reactions, and panic attacks. Most people are supposed to be under the care of a therapist or someone else that can guide them through this so that when memories do come through, you're not in a situation like you're driving down the road or you're at home and this is too terrifying and your body's just like, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. Unfortunately, mental health right now is suffering everywhere. It's very hard to get in for help. Um, that's one thing I really want to lobby for change. Um, that's kind of one of my goals. I am going to first kind of list a couple of things that have helped me when I'm in that situation where memories are just like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. This past Saturday, my post-traumatic stress syndrome was out of control. There is a flashback that is coming through. Um... Backing up a couple steps, I was with Nick when he was cremated. I don't know if that's a normal thing. I don't know if other mothers do that. I don't know, but I could not allow my child to go through that and not be there as his mom. And it fucks you up. It does. But as moms, we take things that are fuck us up more because even when our child is passed, we don't want to leave them alone. There is this image, this thing at night fighting through my head where I am screaming, 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 trying to get to Nick. And I don't know if it's a combination of that, if it's a combination of trying to get upstairs. I don't know. I just know that it's terrifying. So I, what I do is I tend to not sleep because I'm too scared. I have found that I have a few safe friends that I can say, hey, do you mind like just coming over and crashing or watching a movie? I feel safer when someone is here. Um, that might work for some of you. It's also very hard to reach out to people and ask for them to, hey, you know, it's Saturday night. Can you give up your Saturday night for me? But people that love you would do it in a heartbeat. And maybe they just come over for a few hours while you nap. I'm a great napper during the day. Um, it's different than sleeping at night. I have had people come and just hang out with my dogs while I sleep. Because without sleep, everything is so much worse. It's just so much worse. So that's something that I have, I've kind of done. I have set my bedroom up that there's always water there. There's a notebook there. I have learned, this might sound really weird, that if I am in the throes of one of those dreams and I cannot breathe, if I sit up really quick and swing my legs around the bed, I can kind of focus for a second. And I have two dogs. 
I have my son's dog, and I have an adopted puppy, which I mentioned before. But in case you haven't listened, that's fine. That are my, just they're my love bugs. Oh, God, they're so amazing. I wish everyone could have a dog no matter where you are. They just will love you no matter what. They will recognize that you are in trauma, and they will come, and they will hold you, and they will love you, and they will lick you, and they will lay with you, and they will help slow your heart rate down enough that maybe you can take a breath. And sometimes, I've said it before, a second is all that we need to do it. I have found that since starting this podcast or thinking about it, I feel like I've taken a thousand steps back. Like, oh God, I'm going to face my trauma. I'm going to have to do all this work that I don't want to do because and it's not because I'm lazy or I don't want to do it. It's because I don't want to remember that morning. I don't remember want to remember certain things that my brain has thankfully protected me through. But I know that in order to get to the other side to have some semblance of healing i'm going to have to fight my way through that healing um this is was designed with hopes that maybe it would heal myself too maybe help someone else by talking about it and having nobody staring at me while i'm talking it makes things a lot easier that way but without dealing with the pain i'm finding my pain my terror my love my anger everything's so entwined that I don't know where to focus my energy on. So I'm hoping that trying to separate some of that, it made me feel, I just want to, you know what? I want to lay in bed at night. And I just want to remember Nick. And not have it tinged with panic. I want to have it just pure love. There was a song um, that I don't know if you guys remember, the Mike and Molly show. It came out a while ago. And I actually started listening to it on um, Apple or whatever it is. And it's the first time in my life I see love. And that's how I feel about Nick. My dream, I'll probably repeat myself a lot. My dream was to have one boy, name him Nicholas. And that was it. And I got my baby. I didn't ask to keep him long enough. But I've never experienced before Nick. Sure, I loved his dad. Um, I loved friends. I loved my family. But I never had anyone that loved me for all of me. And just loved me instantly. And I think a lot of moms can relate to this. When you look at your child for the first time in your life, you see love. Your child is love. And when they leave us, especially in such a tragic way, it's almost like you feel that love leaving you. Your soul leaving you, your soul traveling everywhere, trying to find this child. And I would like to get some of that love back. So that's why I would do the hard, shitty fucking work to do this. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to journal. I'm going to talk about my grief. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to hope that you know that you matter. That you have made a difference without even knowing you have made a difference in someone else's life. There is someone in your life because you were nice to them in a grocery store. You were nice to them in middle school. Maybe when everyone else was being a bunch of punk ass bitches to them. And you took that kid that had nobody under your wing and you made friends with them. They're remembering that. And that might be the one memory that they hold on to. So please let me say this again. Be kind. 
We never know what anybody is suffering through. We don't know what... I can guarantee you there are times that you look at me and you think, yeah, she's got her shit together. She looks good. She's got her shit together. And in my head, all I'm remembering is that morning. Or I'm remembering something else, something I could have done to stop it. There's something else playing in my head. I can look at other people now and I can recognize what's called, it's called dead eyes. It's a grieving parent thing. Our eyes are not the same. I mean, we've lost the love of our life. We've lost our light. Um, are you, our eyes, look at pictures from before and after. And they're not the same. And I can look at people around me. And I, I use a gym because I work in one. So I'm surrounded by a lot of people a lot. And I can just see their eyes. I'm hypersensitive to how people text. I'm hypersensitive to what people say. Because I can tell that something is going on. I don't like to overstep my bounds. I always try to throw out there. Hey, I'm here. I get it. May not get exactly what they're going through. But I get being in pain. And pain is pain. I hate when people compare pain. Oh, that fucking pisses me off. Like, there will be times I'll be talking about Nick and someone's like, well. Okay, no, that's not the time. Just like if someone's talking to me about that, unless they ask me a specific question, it is my turn to listen to someone else's pain, not to compare pain. So maybe we could stop doing that in the world. Maybe we could kind of just listen. And be empathetic. What happened to empathy in this world? Man, this is just a crazy world we're living in. Not saying that not everyone has empathy. Not saying that everyone is bad. But yeah, there's some bad people in this world. And their only goal is to be mean and to hurt you. And you have to recognize those bad souls. And you've got to get out and you've got to get away. And don't let them have power over your life. Yes, hurt people hurt. But also evil people are just evil. You can be kind, but you need to protect your heart and your soul, okay? Because if you're grieving the loss of a child, and again, I speak as a, as a mom that's lost a child because this is what I know. I speak of losing a grandmother because this is what I know, and I speak of losing my mother because this is what I know. I won't pretend to speak about other things because I can't do them... What, I read it in a book? Great. Somebody read it in a quote? Great. Awesome. Good for you. I still have fucking people that come up to me like, well. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. The big well. Maybe if you did this, you wouldn't feel so bad. And I literally, it's taken me years to not want to punch them. And now all they say is, I'm so sorry that you lost a child. And they're like, wait, what? Oh, you didn't lose a child? Because why would you say something? I'm, I'm sorry. I assumed you did because you thought you were so knowledgeable on a subject. And I walk away. Because don't let people make you feel that you're not allowed to grieve or to do what you need to do to get through this. Okay? Talking more about PTSD. With my, my PTSD, which has stayed pretty consistent um, with the symptoms, a lot of it is... I have excruciating headaches every day of my life. That is just um, a fact. We're trying to work on those now. I have a stomach ache every single day. My body, I mentioned this before, is not comfortable. I've learned to adjust by wearing clothes that I feel comfortable and I feel safe in. Because safety is a really big thing when you've experienced such a huge trauma. 
I have recognized that my brain does not hold information like it used to. There's too much trauma in there. How can it? So again, like I mentioned last time, texting notes, doing everything that you need to do to make sure that your bills, your work, and everything is taken care of. There's nothing wrong with that. Hell, we were literally used to write in a chalkboard, right? What makes it so wrong now to have to write things on notes? Nothing makes it wrong. Don't let anyone tell you that it is wrong or you are less smart than your coworkers. That's bullshit. I have two degrees. I have added numerous certifications over this period just by changing the way that I study and the way that I retain my information. When you are having a flashback, from something that happened that morning after being in the hospital, after something, it is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And you're like, this is it. I like I'm I can't do this. And you think how many years are you supposed to go through this? How many years do you have to try remember this or to feel this shitty? I have thrown up over myself. I have thrown up in bed. I keep extra linens. That's another thing I do, I keep extra linens. If you are going through these flashbacks and you are having these problems, please try to have a safe place. Some place for you that is safe. I don't care what room it is in your house, where you maybe park your car or park your truck. For me, my bedroom's always been my safe place. I will go in there, I will grab the dogs, and I will just hunker down, and I will fight my way through it. And at night, this, is, this, this may trigger someone. At nighttime, my flashbacks come, and, I, and there's that few seconds that you don't know where you are, and you're like... Wow, I actually fell asleep and I will speak so quietly and I whisper Nick's name and I'm like, Nick, because I think he's back. And I don't know if that doesn't break my heart. I don't know what else it does. And the dogs are quiet and I know that Nick's presence is with us and he's watching me and he's protecting me. But what the fuck? No parent wants to just live with a presence. We want to live with our child. I want to see my child going to the grocery store. I want to see him driving a new truck. I want to see my child being even taller and more gorgeous than he already is. I want to see my child wake up and be happy. So I know that my son wants me to wake up and try to be happy. And there we have the beginning of the podcast. And there we have the beginning to try to get through this. Please note that if people do have PTSD, they're aware and and you know this and they've talked to you about it and you may have some sublets. Ask them, is there anything that I can do for you right now? Maybe it's get them some water. Maybe they're just overwhelmed and they don't want to go to the grocery store. Everyone's going to go to the grocery store. It's really easy to get someone else's groceries for them. Maybe they could use someone to take their dogs for a walk. Little things like that, those little acts of compassion are what can get somebody to the next day. And you're going to help heal your heart from your previous traumas too. We all have trauma. There's nobody in this world except for these beautiful unborn babies that come into it that don't have the trauma for the most part. But we all have trauma. 
So don't look down your nose at those that are struggling with trauma. They might be having medical issues. They might be having family issues. There's so much going on in this world that spreading love and spreading kindness. That's, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be reaching out. We need to be helping others. We need to be asking people, are you happy? And I said this before, I'm not happy. Confined seconds of happiness, confined minutes of happiness. But for the most part, there is a feeling in my chest of heaviness all the time because there has never been one full breath like before Nick. There has never been a night's sleep like before Nick. There's never been a wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my fucking God, I got to do this all over again. All over again, because here we come again, we got Valentine's Day, we've got birthdays coming up, and it's just this cycle of, and I hope that at some point it does get somewhat easier. I hope, I really hope it does, but I know that right now I'm really struggling with my PTSD very much, so my anxiety is through the roof. My tendency to scratch, because I scratch. I scratch my arms and I scratch my thigh. Just are really bad right now. I am... Don't feel safe right now. Nick always made me feel safe. My God, that kid would do anything for me. He always made me feel safe. I don't feel safe right now. And I know that's because my mind's fucking with me so bad because of this flashback. It's trying to get through that I'm so nervous. I'm trying to fight against it. That my... Anxiety, my heart rate, I can take my own heart rate, I can take my own pulse are just out of control. The best thing I could have done for myself today was follow my script, follow getting my, doing my programming, reading a little bit, cleaning. Cleaning for some reason helps me and I don't really like to clean, but methodically like mopping my floor is something that can kind of get me out of my head for a second Playing with the dogs, seeing a couple clients, doing programming, filming a Zoom. I worked out twice. All my errands are done. Okay? I don't know where I found the energy to do everything that I did, but that's what I did. And it got me through the day. Drinking hot tea, kind of nana sounding, but it's kind of true, helps me too. But... Saturday with the flashbacks and and just throwing up everywhere because when you, a cremation, you see that smoke coming out. Holy fuck. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where my my flashbacks are going to take me to. I know that I have enough love and that I'm surrounded by love and surrounded by friends. And if I did reach out to somebody, somebody would come and sit with me 100%. And I hope that you have that. And if you're listening to this and there's someone in your life that is like struggling with this, don't judge them. Fuck. Don't. Oh, my God. If someone fucking judges anyone that's going through this, like, really, you need to look at yourself. Okay? Like, reach out. There's, you know, there's some young moms right now that have lost husbands that could use some help. It doesn't take a lot to help. It does not take a lot to reach out and say, hey, what do you need? I can leave it for you on the porch because sometimes we just don't want to see anybody. 
And that doesn't mean that we don't love people and want to be around people. Well, yeah, actually, it does really fucking mean we don't want to be around people. I hope that by me talking through this, that you don't become as shut off to the world as I am, that you don't shut yourself down to relationships or have this ability to, like, if someone fucks you over, you don't even think about them ever again. You just walk away. There's no talking out. There's no walking away because if someone's going to fuck you over during this, well, good luck to you. I don't wish anyone harm. I don't wish anyone a bad life. I just don't have them in my life anymore. And that's okay. That is so okay to choose to be who's going to be in your life. But don't do it the way, I can't tell you not to do it. Don't do it in the way that I did it. Where I just cut everyone else. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Now, I can't do this alone. I can't. I know that I need way more support than what I'm getting. But that's on me. I'm not getting all the support I need. Because I have told everyone, I'm fine. I got this. I don't need anyone because people just leave anyways. I own that. I own it. I hope that this made sense. I really just wanted to kind of hop on here and talk about PTSD and to make you aware that people's symptoms are not fake. They're struggling. There's there's just stress takes such a toll on the body. I hope that if you have someone in your life that you know that maybe you reach out to them tonight. Just try to shoot them a quick text even if they don't answer. I Oh my God, there's so many days those texts I'm like, oh yay, someone loves me. Because I'm going to say it again, for the first time in my life, I see love when I looked at Nick. That was the first time I ever felt true love. So remember, you matter. You so matter. You're beautiful. You're strong. You can do this. You, it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. Please, thank you so much, everyone, for all the messages, the kind words the, that you listen to this. It means so much to me and so much to Nick. Um, I'm still really working on getting better with this flow of this. I would like to put up this National Suicide Prevention number. It is 1-800-273-TALK. That is 1-800-273-8255. If you are feeling suicidal, please reach out to them. Remember, a second can save your life. Reach out to a friend. And if somebody reaches out to you as a friend, take it seriously. Please reach out to your doctor, anyone that you know that is going to respond and that will love you because you matter. Okay? It's not, we can't take chances with people that say they're going to die. We cannot take a chance because you're not going to want to wake up the next morning and they're gone. I love you all. I thank you so much. I appreciate you listening to me and helping me to carry on my beautiful son Nicholas's legacy. I hope you saw me shooting hoops yesterday. Even though I still suck, but I did it. And I made your shots, baby. And I will be back at the end of the week. And I wish you all safety and love and warmth and kindness. Thank you.